You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. Today, I've got Shaheen Shayan on the line. How are you today? Sir, I'm doing Dr. great, Jim. How about yourself? I'm, I'm good. You know, um, what really stood out on your bio for me was all the Amazon discussion. You know, yeah. all the things you've done there. I see you on the video. Uh, you've got your Amazon shirt on. And uh, what a wonderful place to play ball is Amazon. Day one, I tell people this all the time. People come to me oftentimes asking me how they get involved in Amazon. And then quickly you see them deflated. Oh, but it's too late. And I tell them, just like Bezos wrote in his first shareholder letter, it's still day one. There's so much opportunity. And there are going to be more millionaires and billionaires created every day on this incredible platform that Jeff Bezos has created, this incredible disruptor than any other e-commerce outlet for people to make money. It is the quickest, the easiest, the most powerful way, I believe, that you can create a predictable recurring revenue stream without having to sell your hours, which is what it's yeah. all about. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting. I just launched a new website. It's a it's called the 1776 Syndicate, and it's to help people that are running for office, any elected position nationally. And I thought, you know, I want to have a resource page on there where they can find books, right? Because you're talking about stuff and it's like, oh, what's that book name? And then you refer to it and they're trying to write it down as fast as they can. So I created a whole page where all these books are at. Well, I realized there must be a referral program out there. Well, guess what? Amazon popped up top of page, sign up for the referral program and you earn 4% of all the book sales if you're signed up for the affiliate program. Yeah, I mean, talk about pennies coming through the door. You know, if you sell a few books, why not, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You, you, look, that's one part of a, of a bigger scheme, right? I'm sure that's not going to be paying for your lifestyle. No, but, not at all. Yeah, but it's just another stream of revenue. I mean, better yet would be for you to create your own book. Better yet, I don't know if you have one, but better than that would be to create a product and private label it so you actually own that piece of real estate. Yeah, no, I want to dig into all that. Um, and yes, I, my book's coming out this week. So funny, you should mention that. <laughs> but um, no, hey, look, let's go back to some of your background. Okay, I saw in your bio, um, you know, your your family came over during the Iranian Revolution in 1979. Um, I love hearing stories of families coming to America, because that is what America is all about. So maybe you could take us a little bit uh, behind the scenes where you grew up, how you grew up, and then ultimately, we'll get back to this Amazon discussion. Yeah, we were solid middle-class Iranian Jewish family grown up in Tehran. I was born in Iran, and life was seemingly going pretty well until the revolution. Uh, my folks, being Jews and kind of children of children of the Holocaust, were like, man, you know, this might not go well for us here. Uh, maybe, maybe better to bail. Yeah. So they left seeking their, uh, you know, a better life for us all. And we came to the United States through Germany and quickly realized that we were second-class citizens in the United States. We mm. were now officially poor uh, as opposed to being middle class. The family structure was completely destroyed because uh, it, it's a diaspora. Everybody was spread out all over the place. 
And my folks were working odd jobs. My dad was working at a pizza place. He worked at a dry cleaners, which he ended up working at for 30 plus years Mm. and just trying to make ends meet. But what happened was they made one good financial decision. They bought a house. Somehow it was like the one house they could afford in a neighborhood that wasn't doing so well at that time. But all of a sudden with Reaganomics, trickle-down economics, all that stuff that was happening. The real estate market started booming in the generation after that, and the neighborhood picked up. So now here I am. I didn't speak a word of English coming to this country. I'm there all of a sudden going, man, look at all this wealth. Like, we didn't eat at restaurants. I didn't buy new clothes. Like, when we stood out front of our dad's dry cleaners waiting for somebody cool to walk in. It, was, it wasn't because we liked looking at cool people. It was because we were hoping that guy would fail on his bill and default on his clothes because that's what we would wear the next season, the clothes people <laughs> left behind. And I uh-huh. remember in school having one or two rich friends and then being like, hey, come over and like giving me a menu. So yeah, just order whatever you want. Me going, what is this magic? You can order food and somebody will bring it to you. Like it blew my mind how that worked because that's not how we live. My mom made every single meal. And when we didn't have enough, she would cut the burger in half and my brother would get half and I would get half. And that's Mm. just how things went down. We did well with what we had. And that's how we did, we survived. Now I'm looking around me in our little neighborhood and the guy next door has got a Porsche and the guy down the street's got a Mercedes and the houses are getting bigger and bigger and we're living in this tiny house. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I want a piece of that. I want a piece of this American dream. How do I get that? Mm -hmm. And I went to my parents and of course they did the fallback, which is, Hey, you know, be a doctor. That's, that's what we know, which is of course for immigrants, the pinnacle of success, like to say my son or daughter's a doctor is like their holy grail. And I looked at that structure and I was like, man, this is, this is bullshit. Like I got to go to school for eight years and then maybe, and then go into debt. And then I looked at, they told me to go talk to the dude next door who was a doctor. And I looked at him and he was miserable. He was fat. He was bald. The kids were fat and bald. The wife was fat and bald. Everybody was yelling at each other. And I left. I said, this is it. I'm going to go seek my fame and fortune. Love you all. I'm out. Yeah. And I grabbed a backpack everything in the world that I could fit in that backpack that I could take with me was with me. And I left, I left my home. I left my family and I didn't have many friends at that time. I didn't have any money. And I was sleeping in an abandoned building, sleeping in an abandoned Lincoln continental with the pages of think and grow rich taped and almost every word highlighted, repeating it, reading books by Anthony Robbins, uh, Dale Carnegie, all those great old timey guys. Yes. And hanging out at the community college because they had free food there. I came across a mentor. The mentor coached me. And I got involved in the electronic music scene, the rave scene, the dance scene that was really booming at that time. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, man, you know, this is cool. Who's making the money here? And obviously, it was the drug dealers. It wasn't the musicians or the people that owned the property. So I thought, okay, well, that's easy. Let me do that until I thought back to my adolescence where I had attempted a life of junior crime by selling contraband uh, at school. 
and uh, realizing that I would always get caught and that I was really fucking bad at crime. Like I was probably <laughs> the single worst person at crime. And I remember the one lesson I got out of grade school uh, before I left was that I was just bad at crime and I should not do crime. Yeah, like I could love. leave that. There was other people who were good at crime. So other kids, I'd be like, man, you never get caught. Me, I'd always get caught. So now 15 years old, I'm in the uh, electronic music scene. I'm like, man, I'm not going to get involved in crime. It's just not for me. And I thought to myself, hey, what if I came out with an alternative to this party drug, ecstasy, that was happening at that time? And I did. I came out with an uh, alternative to ecstasy called herbal ecstasy. Mm -hmm. I distributed it through an unusual distribution circuit that was untapped. I distributed it through the drug dealers. Why? I was at the right place at the right time. The supply of this incredible drug ecstasy, and by the way, I don't espouse the use of drugs or, or, or anything like that to anybody, um, but the supply of this drug had dried up. It was mostly coming from Europe and it had dried up and the drug dealers had nothing to sell. They were there in the clubs, literally sitting on their, on their, on their hands. And I came out with this alternative, which they weren't happy about initially, but was legal, it was natural, couldn't get into trouble for it. And a lot of them soon started making more money selling my product than real drugs. And mm. they became legitimized. They legitimized their businesses. They got legitimate territories. A lot of them opened up storefronts. They bought franchises from me. And before I knew it, we were making hundreds of millions of dollars, well-documented through several articles. And by the time I was 18, maybe a little bit older than that, a little bit younger, I don't remember, we had broken over a billion dollars in revenue. This is mm. pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-cell phones. And here I am months earlier living in abandoned cars, not having a place to rest my head, not having a, a warm meal to eat most nights. And now I've got a collection of exotic cars. I'm working pretty much all the time, maybe sleeping two hours a day. I remember I tell the story of falling asleep and, and my Lamborghini drooling on the passenger seat, waking <laughs> up and go, going into the office just to learn that Sam Donaldson, the Nightline reporter, was outside. Uh, Montel Williams wanted to have me on a show. Uh, London Observer, Newsweek, we were the it thing because the news had broke that we had broke a billion dollars in revenue. And one of the biggest uh, investment banks wanted to take us public. From there, I went on to inventing the core technology for digital vaporization, which evolved to be all the vapes and e-cigs that you see today. I exited that in 2006 and then went on to the Amazon platform, looking at this incredibly disruptive thing that Bezos has built, seeing that, hey, this guy is not just this like nerdy Silicon Valley guy, this chump that everyone's saying he is. This guy's a disruptor. This guy's like Piggly Wiggly. He's doing what Piggly Wiggly did for retail and changing e-commerce forever. And I quickly got involved in that and decided, hey, I'm putting all my eggs in the Amazon basket and learning how to become the best. And so over the course of the next few years, I did. I started doing a Fortune 50s, Fortune 500s, teaching them how to put their brands on Amazon and how to get reviews into the top page and find a product. And then normal people started asking me, hey, this is awesome. How can I sell on Amazon? And I developed this course for anybody that's interested. It's fbasellercourse.com. That's fulfillment by Amazon. And in fact, for everybody who's listening to your show 
if you use the code Jim Riley in the mm. subject heading, I will give you, it's, it's normally $200. It's a one hour course, A to Z, everything about Amazon. I'm going to give it for free. You can email me directly. You're going to have it for free, no cost. Uh, my goal this year is to get 2,000 to 10,000 people starting Amazon businesses and to inspire them to create recurring revenue streams. That email, if it's okay to give it on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Is going to be darkzess at gmail.com. That's D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Email me. I'll get you the one-hour course for free. Use the code Jim Riley. But That's Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, man. You know, um, I'm thinking back at your story, like at 15 years old, you're in these clubs. And by the way, I spent a lot of time in those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I was a regular at the Mayan there, downtown Los Angeles. So. Oh, in a way. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Back, back in the day. Um, where did you find a supplier? You know, like here you are, you know, looking for food at the college campuses and, and uh, found a niche because I think oftentimes people don't know where to start and they don't realize the availability of so many things out there. The only limitation is your own creativity. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent question. So the answer to that is this, that I dropped out of school. I failed at school. I think I, I dropped out at like eighth grade, ninth grade. That's mm -hmm. the length of my education. I have no degree, but what I had a degree on, was getting my ass kicked every day at school. I thought, in fact, that's what you did at school. I thought you came to school to get your ass kicked <laughs> because I got my ass kicked so much. I mean, it was just the normal thing. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. Every single time I got knocked down, I'd get back up. I didn't care how big the kid was. I didn't care how strong he was. I didn't care how many friends he had with him. I would always get up. I would not let them keep me down. And I feel later in life, I let that grit, that determination, that stick to stay with me. Mm -hmm. So when I went out there, I went to Chinatown. I went to the herbal shops in LA and I met with people and there was a hundred herbal shops and 99 of them would say, no, would say, fuck off. You pay money, you get product. But right. the one would say, okay, let's try it. I got nothing to lose. And they would give me the product. I didn't have the money to buy the machine that puts the herbs in the capsules. Mm -hmm. So I managed to get myself a girlfriend. Her dad was some stuffy superintendent, accountant, something. And he would leave through the front door. She would sneak me in through the back door. And we would be rolling up the herbs to look like capsules and putting them in the oven while her dad was out. And this was how... I developed the prototypes and eventually you sold a few, you got a little bit of money, you sold a few more, you got a little bit more money. I bought more equipment. I, I hired a factory. I hired several factories and it grew like that, but none of it would have been possible if I would have taken one no for an answer or 10 no's or a hundred no's. People often ask me, they're like, well, when do you know to quit? And I said, well, you got a, you got a, a baby, right? You know, baby. They're like, yeah, yeah how many opportunities are you going to give your baby to walk before you give up on it? The answer is unlimited until the little fucker walks. I've got an, an eight year old and that's the answer. When, when you look at your kid, you're like, yeah. And so you got to treat yourself the same way. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, it doesn't matter how many people say no. I think Napoleon Hill would say every time a door closes, a window opens, you just got to know where your entry point is and eventually somebody will say yes. And, and in those days, Jim, I was hungry, literally and figuratively. 
I was hungry to succeed, but I was also literally hungry. So somebody saying no to me had a very different connotation. That meant I wouldn't be able to eat. So when you, you, you go at things with that level of hunger, that level of determination, it's very different than a kid who's got a, a trust fund and can just go back to daddy the next day. Well, it certainly brings out the grit in you when you're in those situations. What's what's interesting, you know, the formula and, and the format that you're talking about applies across the board. People just don't get how simple it can be. That never give up, that persistent pursuit of what you're trying to do. When you get knocked down, get back up. And sometimes even successful people, uh, I've got a, a client, He's he's a billionaire, he's 95 years old. Uh, he likes to be short on cash consistently just to force himself to try harder. I can't imagine doing that for, I don't know, 80 plus years in business, you know, always being short on cash, but he reinvested on then He's like, okay, let's start over again. But you realize that the formula is there and you, and if you can push yourself into those corners, you're going to succeed. I love your story. Um, so you moved out of that business and then into the next, did you use the same template and, and grit and determination to, to make that succeed? The latter, yes. The former, no. Mm. So I did use the same grit and determination. That's something that's uh, branded into your soul. You, you can never get rid of that. You can't wash that away. Yeah. Just the same way when people do really, really bad things, it, it becomes a part of you and you can't wash it away. So when you do really good things and you become a good person and, and, and you have that grit and that determination, it's, it's a part of the fabric that makes up the person that you are. It's part of your soul. You can't, can't wash that away. But the way I ran my first business was very unusual because I was so young and I made so much money. I had one philosophy that ruled all my philosophies, and that was suicide margins. I was making this stuff for 25 cents. I was selling it for $20. It was a cash business mostly. Mm -hmm. And duffel bag upon duffel bag was stuffed with cash, piled up in my office. And anytime I had a problem, I threw cash at it. Not the best system. People would steal from me. I would throw cash at it. I would have a business problem. I would throw cash at it. And as long as we were producing enough cash to throw at these problems, things seemed to go swimmingly. Mm -hmm. Now, in my latter businesses, in my second business, and my third business, and my current business, I use a little bit of a different strategy. We use upstream thinking. We use systems-based strategies. We bring in experts who have the knowledge that we don't have to advise so that we don't have to have those kinds of crazy margins. We don't have to depend on this insane, you know, literal drug money margin to be able to stay alive and thrive. And it's much more intelligent. And, and this, these business, especially the one I'm in now, it's a much more boring business in, in, in retrospect. I'm not, running around with rock stars and, and movie stars and having this quick burn life that I had back then. But I'm making a, a great amount of money quieter. And a, a mentor of mine uh, taught me um, later, unfortunately, that money is best made quietly. Mm, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's really true. It's really true. You get to keep more of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's far more enjoyable as well. So good, good perspective. Let's talk about Amazon for a little bit. And, you know, my story about those books, 
you know, I, I developed this web page for a business purpose, which that is consulting, but I realized we could monetize a portion of that because we're talking about books anyhow. And I think that's finding those little corners of revenue that a lot of people overlook or just assume they're not available out there. But um, through just a little bit of digging, especially when you start digging around Amazon, that there's so many opportunities there. And that's why I was happy to talk to you today about learning more, um, what we can do on Amazon and monetizing it and where we can go from there. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunities on Amazon. And I feel one of the strongest ones is Amazon Seller Central. Bezos sometime in 2008, 2009, around there, opened up the platform to third-party sellers. What's that mean? Well, most people think when you buy something on Amazon, you're buying it from Amazon. Wrong. There are over 5 million third-party seller, mom and pops to big corporations, people like me and you, that have products or sell other people's products through their own seller account. They pay Amazon a commission for being able to sell it in their store, but it's almost a co-signment philosophy. And Amazon will pick, pack, and ship that product using their FBA, their fulfillment by Amazon, the most advanced warehouses ever known to humanity for fulfillment of product from getting product from point A to point Z, which is you, hence mm -hmm. the Amazon logo, the little smile that goes from the A to the Z. And you can do that. You can start an Amazon business. Most people don't know this. And what we encourage people to do is to create products that bring value, but to not innovate. Innovation being the kiss of death. You leave innovation to the big companies, to the Apples and the Amazons and, and those companies of the world. And you focus on researching the market and telling a better story, finding where the vulnerabilities are in the market and capitalizing on those niches. So we niche things down, break it down as much as possible. We find that blue ocean where it's not oversaturated, but there's a vulnerability. Maybe the competitors aren't describing their product enough. Maybe they don't have enough influencers involved. Maybe they don't have an authority involved. Maybe they don't have social proof reviews and, or maybe their product just sucks and you can get a better one, or maybe it's not bad, but they don't describe it well enough. They don't tell you about all the features and value that it brings, and maybe it has low value. So we find that leverage point where we could put just three grams of pressure and get out 300 ounces of pressure. And that's what we do. Mm. You know, it's funny. I'm listening to you talk about that and describe what you do and how you can do it better. And I'm thinking back on the products I've bought, you know, you find the product and you're looking for that description to see if it fits your needs. And you keep looking and looking and looking because somebody hasn't done their job to describe it very well. Right. Or take, or take a picture of the back end of that electronic component where you're looking for a special adapter that it may or may not have. I mean, it makes so much sense that there's opportunity there where people have fallen short. Yeah. You're not buying a product online. You're buying a story. Because it's not, you're not holding that thing in your hand anymore. You're not looking at the features and using them. You're just reading and watching what I'm telling you. And here's the big news. Nobody fucking believes you anymore. Mm -hmm. If you are the seller, if you are the company who's making this stuff, nobody believes you. That, that ship has long sailed of the big soda company knocking on your door and telling you that our sugar water is delicious and nutritious and you should be drinking it every day. People don't believe it anymore. So who do they believe? 
They believe people like me and you, Jim. They believe social proof. That's why reviews, ratings are so essential on Amazon. And yeah. there's, a, there's a very easy tactic. But again, guys, reach out to me. I'll give you the course for free, show you how to do this. Darkzess at gmail.com. D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. But at, at the end of the day, Jim, it's, it's really that, is that you have to know where you can apply pressure to achieve the result that you want. And online, it's really about being a better storyteller, like yeah. you're saying, because people aren't buying a product. They're, they're hearing a story. Well, and telling that story for today's generation, I chuckled a minute ago because my daughter, she's eight, she's always on YouTube and Sugar Bear cereal came up from the 80s. You're from that generation, probably where they had sure. Sugar Bear, right? They had these crazy wacky commercials, but he says, delicious and nutritious Sugar Bear cereal. And my eight-year-old says, how is it nutritious if it's sugar? She didn't believe the story. Yeah. Good. Right. He didn't Good. believe the story. Yeah. If they had a doctor talking about the nutritional value of sugar today, it might be a little bit more valuable. Of course, that wouldn't happen. But um, you're so right about the story and making sure you get it right for your audience. Yeah, man. Them, right. Yeah. I mean, the 80s were nuts. I mean, the stuff that we <laughs> believe. You remember the frozen yogurt face? Oh, God. <laughs> it, it was people were working out and then going for like a gallon of frozen yogurt, which was just sugar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and spending eight dollars on it. <laughs> that was the health trend. We didn't know they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you gotta eat pasta." Here's you eat this bowl of carbo load, this bowl of pasta, and then when you're done with your workout, have this like a uh, 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 bowl of uh, yogurt with yeah uh, sugar, <laughs> sugar, sugar. We put a little protein in there to to call it good. So um, the course itself that you guys are teaching and providing for people, what, what can they expect? They dive in and they're going to come out next week making money or, you know, obviously that's probably not the reality, but what can they expect? No, I look, I'm, I'm a proponent of getting rich slowly. Yeah. And it's optimal to do it as quickly as you possibly can. But in today's economy and in today's environment, what we see is a lot of internet gurus, a lot of online gurus, a lot of like, let me show you how to get rich quick and look at my Lamborghinis and look at my boats and all this stuff. And then you learn that all that's rented. It's all mm -hmm. bullshit. Mm -hmm. The reality is people like yourself, people like me that have made money over time, that the actual exit could have happened fairly quickly. The actual acquisition of the money could have happened quickly. But how long did it take for you to get there? How many years? How much blood, sweat, and tears? How many times did you think you were going to fail? How many times did you think you were going to fall on your face? How many adversities did you have to overcome? There's no shortcut for hard work. Amazon business is like any other business. You got to get out there and you got to fail. You've got to try things that may or may not work. And it's not black and white. It's not fail or succeed. It's oftentimes varying shades of gray. So you might try something and succeed hugely and then double down on that thing only to find out that it doesn't scale and you fail. So what happens? Do you quit or do you, do you continue? It's the people who continue, who are willing to do whatever it takes in order for them to succeed that are the ones that make it. And so with Amazon, 
you start by opening up an Amazon account. We teach you how to do that in the one hour course. And we'll include that in the show notes. I hope you will too, uh, of, of uh, where you can get the one hour course for free. But you incorporate, you start a company, and then you start using the tools that we give you to, to spy the market. Where is the market weak? What's the market already buying? Don't innovate. Stop, mm-hmm. trying to, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. It is the most expensive thing in the world to have to educate the consumer on why they need your product. Find out what they already need and give them a better one or tell them a better story about the one they're already buying and you sell it and make the money. That's what we teach you how to do. So you start an Amazon company, you start researching and spying the competition and seeing how much money they're making and why they're making that money. And then you see where you can bring value and you come in and you come in with your own private label product. We teach you how to, you get it made in China. I now sell millions and millions of dollars worth of product I never see. The product is made in China. It's shipped to Amazon. Amazon ships it to the end consumer. And we just see the money at the end of the day in our bank account. And that's the best way to run a business because then you can be more efficient. Then you can focus on what you do best, which should be telling a better story. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, to put a bow on some of this, I know we're getting low on time here. It, it goes back to what you said early on. You got knocked down, you got back up. You got knocked down, you got back up. There's a wonderful opportunity to build a business on Amazon. We're not, and I don't hear you saying you're not going to get knocked down, but get back up, build a business. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes energy and you'll get there. What I love the most about this discussion today, as I'm sitting here and we're wrapping up, we're in a semi post COVID environment. I live in Montana now having the best financial years I've ever had the last three since I moved from LA. Um, and I'm enjoying my life from the comfort of my home and my computer. And the reason why is we live in a different era. To make money on Amazon right now from the comfort of anywhere in the world, I mean, I don't know if it gets any better than that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that, man. Yeah, me too. You know, I've got a, a young boy and a wife and and we travel. I mean, less now because of COVID, but pre-COVID, we just traveled the world and we'd be sitting in Cabo on the beach in a beautiful, beautiful resort. And, and we'd wake up and I'd work my wife who runs an Amazon company works. And then we'd go and enjoy the day and that's it. And and we'd look at each other and go, man, isn't it funny how we're sitting here eating this beautiful fish that's grilled and right on the beach and just enjoying our best lives. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing this, somebody is buying our product. Yeah. Somebody is making us money. We are making money while we sleep. We are making money while we're on vacation. And there aren't a lot of businesses that offer that kind of opportunity. So I I, I tell people, you got to look for the thing that's going to get you out of selling your hours. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to leave it on that note because I think what you're offering, the course that you're giving some free time to, we will put it in the show notes is so valuable. This is going to be one of those little golden nugget shows that I'm going to drive people to, especially, I, you know, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that want to make a little bit more money and they're just racking their brain. Where do I go? Where do I go? Boom, right here. Take the course, free two hours. Doesn't yeah, get for, any better. Anyone that's interested, that's me when I was in my teens during the XC days. So if you're interested, check out my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. That's the whole story of Herbal XC, how we got to a billion dollars. As a teenager, you can get that on Amazon and just dropped on Audible. And again, if anybody's interested in the one-hour course, it is email me directly 
darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. We also have a, a, a podcast that everybody can subscribe to if they like to called Hack and Grow Rich, where we give unconventional hacks of how to make money. I'd actually love to have you on, Jim Riley. That would be awesome to hear your story about your exit and your company if you're interested. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, love it. So we'll have to get you booked. And um, yeah. So please make sure to subscribe, like, listen to us, dislike us, tell us how much you hate us, troll us, get involved. But they're going to learn something. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Look forward to a little reciprocation there. Right on. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Let me get out of this. All right.